Welcome again to Lakeshore. We are so thrilled that you're here with us today. We want to welcome those at our Smyrna campus and also everybody that's connecting with us online, whether it's through the live stream or the podcast. We're just so glad you connected with us also. Uh, we have been in a series now for the past several weeks called By Faith. And in this series, each week we've been looking at the life of Abraham and learning through his life example of what it means to walk by faith in God. In James 1 and verse 12, it says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So he tells that we are blessed if we persevere, if we hold on to our faith through those trials that are going to come into our lives. And today, we focus on Abraham's life one more time as we finish up this series and a great trial that he faced. Abraham was known as a man of faith, but his faith was tested over and over again. From the very beginning, God called him to leave his home and to go to a place he didn't even tell him where he was sending him when he asked him to pick up and leave everything and move to that new place. But by faith, he got up and went. And then as he traveled obediently on that journey, he had to go through a famine in the area that he was traveling through. And God cared for him through the famine. And he had to, by faith, trust God through the famine. And then he had to go through the time where he could no longer stay together with his nephew Lot. They had to separate and go their different ways. And he had to have concern over Lot and what was going to happen to him and his family. And he had to go and rescue Lot. And again, his faith was tested through all of it. He had to continue by faith that whole time because God had promised on the front end that he was going to give them a son. That he and Sarah were going to have a child of promise. And through that son... All generations were going to be blessed. And for over 25 years, that didn't happen. And he had to keep walking by faith. And as we saw last week, God kept the promise. And the son was born. And Isaac was that answer, that promised child through whom all generations would be blessed. And today we look at, in Genesis 22, what I believe was the greatest test of Abraham's faith. That after that child was born that he knew was the child of promise, God said, take your son, whom you love, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering to me. We see today the most severe test of all, the obedience of the sacrifice of a son. As I was beginning to prepare this series, Bobby, my son Bobby and I were working on a graphic to use for the series. And Bobby shared with me a song by an artist that he really likes, uh, Sepian Stevens. And the song was called Abraham. And when he shared the song with me, I thought, yeah, when we get to that part of the story of faith, Bobby, I'd like for you to share that song with our church family. So he agreed. And I want you to listen and picture Abraham having to struggle with what God had called him to do. There is none too hard 
Friends, I cannot imagine how hard this test of faith was for a father who loved his son. And I can assure you that of all the things God had told Abraham to do throughout this whole series we've been looking at, this was one he never expected. This is one he never thought God would ask of him. I mean, it made no sense from a worldly perspective, from a human point of view. You wait all this time until you're all that old and you think you've passed the opportunity and then somehow God miraculously gives you this child and Abraham had had some time now with Isaac as he was growing up, teaching him God's word, watching him take his first steps. Learning to speak. Watching him as a young boy just enjoy life the way kids do. And then to have God say, take that son and kill him. I mean, that was the son of promise. That was the son that all generations were going to be blessed through. And God says, I want you to take him and kill him. So today I want us to focus on three important steps in this process, reminders that we need to get through this example of what it means to walk by faith and why it's so important for us to walk by faith. The first one is this, your faithfulness to God will be tested. So many times we think if I get my life in order and I start following the Lord and I, and I start trying to honor Him with my life, then everything's going to go good and it won't be that hard anymore and life's just going to get better and better and better. And then the hard trials come and we wonder, why? Why is God allowing me to go through this? Let's pick up in Genesis 22 and verse 1. And it says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. The sometime later part, we don't really know how long that was. We know it was some years because we know that if you look at the previous chapter, Ishmael uh, and, uh, and his mom had already left the home now and gone off to start another life somewhere else, Hagar and Ishmael. So, so that had already transpired and, and we know that it happened after a certain time in, in Isaac's life. So, so Isaac is getting a little older now and, and then sometime later we don't know what age he was. Now, scholars have tried to figure out how old Isaac was when God told Abraham to sacrifice him. And some scholars believe he was still a preteen at this point. Some scholars believe, though, he, he might have been older than that, like a young adult past the teen years. But most of them agree he probably wasn't a teenager because that wouldn't have seemed like as much of a sacrifice. <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. 
Those of you struggling with teenagers right now, on certain days you would have said, okay, God, let's do this thing. No, we know. We know that's not true. Not, you love them as teenagers too. And man, they can be frustrating, but you never. If you're the father that God wants you to be, you never, ever want them to have to be going through any kind of suffering or heartache or pain. You don't want that for your children. It says, he said to him, Abraham, and he replied, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you, I love how he includes this, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah. It's a, it's a range of mountains and hills there. He said, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Man. I can assure you, Abraham never expected God to say this. Some of the pagan people around them at the time did do human sacrifices sometimes, but God had never asked his people to do something like this. And, and surely he thought a loving God would never ask this of him to offer his son that he loved as a burnt offering. I've got to tell you, I don't know how I would have responded. I love God deeply. And I want to honor God with my life, but can you imagine how hard this was? When God told him to do this? It would have been something that I know I would at least question, right? I would at least gone through some back and forth debate with God about whether or not this was really what he wanted, but we don't have any record of Abraham doing that. Here's what it says in the very next verse. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Wow. Obedience. Just like that. He even cut the wood himself. He had servants. But no, he went and cut the wood himself for the sacrifice of his son. Verse 4 it says, On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So this wasn't just down the street. This wasn't just, just outside the camp. This meant he had to travel for three days. He had to spend at least two nights trying to sleep, trying to get any rest at all that he could get. Knowing that what he was supposed to do when he got to that place, wherever it was, was kill his son. How could you sleep? How could you rest? How could you keep walking down that path, knowing what it was leading to? Verse 5, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I, I and the boy go over there. I, I like that terminology, the boy. I mean, sometimes I refer to, when my son was growing up, I would refer to him as the boy, right? The boy, you know what the boy did today, right? Sometimes I would go a little further and I'd say to Sue Ann, your son, do you know what he did, right? Sometimes she would say that to me. Do you know what your son did today? Right? 
We know that he's still at least a young man for, for Abraham to use that terminology toward him. But you know what it's like. No matter what age your kids are, they still your kids. Yeah. No matter what age they are. You still want only what's best for them, no matter what age they are. But listen to what he said. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And then he said this. Listen. We will, what's that word? Worship. And then we will come back to you. Now there's two really big things in that statement. The first one is, what does he say they're going there to do? Worship. We have so watered down the use of the word worship in the church today. We have so made it less than what it is in Scripture. We refer to worship as what we go to on Sunday morning and leave after the service is over. We could check the box now on our activities. We worshiped this week, right? But we, we even more narrowly defined it than that. We now call it the music part of the service is the worship. I mean, we get stuff all the time here at our office that invites us and our staff to go to worship seminars. You know what they are? Music seminars. That's what they are. How to use music as a part of worship. And we call certain events worship gatherings. And what are they? It's where we do music and sing to God. Now, that is worship. But friends, that is not the the biblical definition of worship at all. My life verse is Romans 12.1. You know what it says? It says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Why? He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Worship is the presenting of your whole life to God. And it means presenting it sacrificially to God. It means giving up things that are hard to give up and embracing things that are hard to embrace that God says give up and God says embrace. And you give your life to those things because that's worship. And this is the assembly of worshipers on Sunday morning and it's a good thing and we, not, we should not forsake that. But this, is, this should never be seen as just the worship service of the church as if that's all there is. And go live the rest of our lives however we want. All of life is to be worship. And it's to be sacrificial. So, so Abraham knows that what they're going to do, that God has told him to do, is worship. Because it is a sacrifice to do it. To give this life to God sacrificially is worship. And so he goes to that place to worship. But notice what else he says. He says, we will worship and then we will come back. Do you see the plurality that's used there? I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure Abraham didn't understand how this was going to play out. But I know that Abraham knew God. And he loved God. And he had gotten to a place in his walk of faith where he completely trusted God. That even when he walked in obedience to doing what God was telling him to do, that God would somehow allow them both to return from that worship. It's an amazing statement of faith. Don't miss it when you read this account. The statement of faith that we will go and worship and then we will come back to you. 
Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. (laughs) I can't imagine carrying the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, this tells me a couple of things about Isaac and how he had been raised. First of all, it tells me Isaac was pretty smart. He saw what was happening here. He understood that they had some of the elements for the worship, but they did not have all of the elements for worship. He was an intelligent young man. Reminded me of a young boy that went into a barber shop and the barber whispered to one of his customers in the chair there. He said, this kid's not very bright. Watch while I prove it to you. So the barber puts a dollar bill in one hand and two quarters in the other. And he asks the boy to come over and he says, which one do you want, son? And the boy grabs the two quarters and leaves the dollar in his hand and he goes out the door quickly. The barber says, what did I tell you? That kid never learns. A little later on, after the haircut, that customer was out in town there, and he saw the little boy coming out of the ice cream shop with an ice cream cone. So, so he was curious. He walked over to the boy, and he said, Now, son, why in the world, when he offers you a dollar or two quarters, why did you take the two quarters? He took a lick of his ice cream cone, and he said, Because as soon as I take the dollar, the game is over. <laughs> Pretty smart kid, right? Smarter than he looked, evidently. Isaac was a smart guy. He looked around and he he analyzed the situation and he knew they were missing the animal, the lamb, for the sacrifice. But that tells me something else about Isaac and how he was raised. Isaac, Isaac understood worship. He understood what it meant. He was familiar with how you worshiped which means he was raised worshiping. He was raised watching his father Abraham carry out worship, sacrificing to God, honoring God. He had seen that in his family. That was how he has been trained. And so he knew that worship could not really be complete without sacrifice. And he knew they didn't have the animal God had taught them was needed for the sacrifice, the lamb. Not just any lamb, by the way. He had taught them a lamb without blemish, without spot, needed to be given. You see, Isaac knew worship. And what concerns me a lot now as as a pastor is how many children are growing up not knowing what it means to worship. Not familiar with worship. Not seeing any example of worship in their home. Not seeing mom or dad living out worship daily in front of them. They probably wouldn't even know if something was missing because they've never really experienced it. That's not how they've been raised. Oh, I pray that's not true. We have so many families here raising up their children in the Lord. I'm so proud of these that came today and dedicated their children. And I'm so proud of others that have done that. And families that we have here that are raising up their children with the teaching of God. They would understand worship because they've seen it. They've experienced it their whole lives. That's what God wants for every child growing up. He wants them to know worship and understand worship. What it means to really honor God 
with sacrificial giving of their lives. Well, in John 16 and verse 33, Jesus reminded us of this. Listen to his words. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, don't be misled. Walking by faith does not mean you'll walk around every obstacle or every problem and never have to face any of them. That's not what it means to walk by faith. Walking by faith means you walk as God leads. And even if it leads to hard things, even where it leads to struggle and trouble, you know God well enough to know you can walk through that with Him. With His help, with His provision, you can go through that. He would not lead you to it if He's not going to take you through it, right? He's going to allow some things in your life. Sometimes it'll come from Satan. Sometimes it'll come from God. But He will allow both of those things. And when He allows them, it means He's got a purpose and a plan for it. And He's going to walk with you through those things with His plan and purpose. In Revelation 2.10, God is speaking through the angel to a church and he says this, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for ten days. But then he adds this, Be faithful even to the point of what? Death. That's what God's looking for. Followers who will be faithful even to the point of what? Even to the point of death. And he says, I will give you life as your victor's crown. Well, testing comes in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it is suffering. You go through illness or disease or the loss of a loved one or a child that gets off track and breaks your heart and all the things there is. There's so many ways, you know, in this world we're going to go through suffering. Sometimes the testing is suffering and God is testing to see if you will be faithful even to the point of death. Because he wants to give you life as he intended life to be. If you hold on. Sometimes the suffering, though, is not, the, the testing is not suffering. Sometimes it's prosperity. Do you know that God tests us with prosperity sometimes, too? Some of you are thinking, I want to sign up for that one. You don't get to control it, but when it happens, when it happens, it's a test, too. How are you going to handle the prosperity, the blessing? See, we're supposed to be stewards whether we're prosperous or not prosperous, we're supposed to steward everything for God's glory. So when we are prosperous, when we are blessed, do we remember God? You see, the passage I read from Deuteronomy when we dedicated these babies, you know what he was telling those people? I'm going to bless you in that land. And when I bless you, I don't want you to forget me because you're blessed. You need to keep teaching the word. Keep setting the example. Keep being that influence on your children, the generations coming behind you that I want you to be. Even in your prosperity. Don't forget God. It's a test. Sometimes the testing is persecution. I shared on Facebook this week a, a post about some Christians in Nigeria that had been executed brutally. And I had some people that reacted very well to that, but I had some that didn't. And I knew I would get some of that. And they said, well, I checked on Snopes.com and they said this wasn't entirely true. First of all, don't put all your... Trust in Snopes.com. Right? I, uh, I found them to be inaccurate on more than one occasion. We've gotten reports directly from Christians in the area who tell us this is happening. And I know there's still some fighting over land in that area. I understand that with the herdsmen. I understand that. But there are also militant Islamic groups there that are slaughtering Christians just because they're Christians. 
that is happening in different hot spots all around the world. What a test of faith. To stand faithfully honoring God in the face of that kind of threat of persecution and death. But God says, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Whatever form the testing takes, friends, God is wanting to use it for good purposes. Which leads me to the second thing on your outline, and that is this. Your faithfulness to God, if you'll hold on to it, will be rewarded by God. Your faithfulness to God will be rewarded. Let's pick up in this story in verse 8. Abraham answered, remember Isaac asked, where is the sacrifice? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Do you hear the faith in his words there? God's going to provide. I just know it. I just trust God. He's going to provide. God's already told him it's the son that he's providing for the sacrifice, right? And, And Abraham's still saying, I know, I know God will provide. He's teaching Isaac that. And the two of them went on together. It says, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Think again how hard it was. Abraham is building the very altar upon which he will sacrifice his son. It wasn't an altar that was already there. He had to get the rocks. He had to pile them and and build this altar and put the wood on the altar the way they did animal sacrifices to prepare it. He had to do that knowing he was being asked to kill his own son on that altar. But Abraham obediently builds the altar there and arranges the wood on it. Then it says he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. You've got to remember how old Abraham is. He's well over 100 now. And whatever age Isaac is, he's not a baby anymore. We know that from Scripture and some of the things that have taken place here. He's, he's a young man now, uh, at least an older what we would consider maybe grade school age or older. There's no way he could have bound his son by force had his son not willingly allowed his father to do this. Which tells us something else about how Isaac was raised. He was raised to trust God and he had seen his father's faith in God which made him trust his father. He was willing to do what his father was telling him to do. He allowed himself to be bound up and put on that altar. There's no other explanation for it. There's no way Abraham could have done this otherwise. You see, he had been taught to respect his father and the faith of his father, even to the point of being bound for sacrifice. You see, in animal sacrifices, the first step was bind up the animal, lay him on the wood, but then the next thing would happen, verse 10. He reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. That one verse says so much about the faith of Abraham. To actually reach out, I'm sure his hand was trembling. And take the knife in his hand to slay his son. You see, animal sacrifice would happen this way. You would bind up the animal, the lamb. You would lay it on the altar. Then you would take the chin of the lamb and stretch it out holding down the body and then you would take the knife and slit the throat of the animal to pour forth the blood of the animal for sacrifice and Abraham took the knife and the way it's described here he went through the process of getting his son ready stretching out 
his neck to cut his son's throat. Can you imagine the faith it took? The trust that it took. He had said, God will provide. And so far, only thing God has provided is his son right there on that altar. And he's still being obedient in faith, trusting that God will provide. Verse 11, (laughs) what a powerful verse. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am, Lord. That was a close one. I don't know that he said it that way. But can you imagine the relief when that voice called out from heaven? Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am, Lord. The angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You see, this test wasn't to get Abraham to kill his son. God never wanted Abraham to kill his son. He wanted Abraham to trust him enough that he would do whatever God called him to do. That's the walk of faith. That's what God is calling us all to. Is that kind of understanding of who God is and how much He loves us and how when He promises to provide, He will provide. So much so that we will be obedient to whatever it is God is instructing us to do in His Word. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram. A ram is just an older sheep, an older lamb caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. I don't think he took any greater joy in any sacrifice he'd ever made than that one. When he had that ram provided and he was able to take it in the place of his son. But here's what I want you to see. This, friends, is a foreshadowing. A prophetic envisioning of what God was going to do for us. When he would send his son Jesus here. And he would put Jesus on the altar for us. And he would sacrifice him. For every one of us in our sins. Can you imagine the love of the father. That as a substitute for us. Paying the price for our own sins. He would allow his son to step in. And take our place. Romans 1, I mean in James 1, chapter, verse 2, he says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, whatever testing of our faith comes along, God has a plan and a purpose for it. God's plan for Abraham was to see the depth of his faith through his obedience. And so whatever test we face, no matter how hard it is at the moment, you know what God's intent is? It's for us to have enough faith in him that we will still be obedient no matter how hard it is. And then he says when we do that, here's what happens. When we are obedient, when we stay faithful, it produces perseverance. Perseverance, when it finishes its work, brings maturity and completeness to our walk of faith in other words our faith gets stronger 
and stronger. The more we keep being obedient, even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, we grow up through that. We mature through that into being the sons and daughters of God that he wants us to be. You see, God uses these things for our good and for his glory. God wants us to understand that what he has for us, if we will hold on and not give up, is so far better than any of the struggle. Romans 8, 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. When we hold on, when we're faithful, even to the point of death, the glory that comes from that for God and for us is so far greater than any of the sacrifice that we've gone through. And God is allowing us to see this example in the life of Abraham so that we will be strengthened in our faith and not give up too soon and miss the glory that he wants to come to us in our lives. That he's paid such a great price for us to have. Which leads to the last thing today, and that's this. Your faithfulness to God, when you hold on to it, it will glorify him. It will bring glory to God in the process. Let's go back to verse 14. After God provided the, the ram and he offered the sacrifice there, it says this. So Abraham called that place, what did he call it? The Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Do you remember where he said it was the area of Mount Moriah that he took Abraham? Now that's significant, that's important, because you know what happened later on? The temple was built on that mountain range of Moriah. And animal sacrifices would be offered there over and over again for the sins of the people. Until one day, the scripture says, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son. God provided the ultimate sacrifice. You see... On that same row of hills and mountains, there's another hill we know. We call it Calvary, Golgotha. And on that hillside, God provided the ultimate sacrifice for us all. You see, he didn't hold back. He gave his son whom he loved for all of us. The lambs and the goats and the doves and all those other animals that have been sacrificed, see, they didn't, they didn't take away sin. It required one who was sinless to take our place, to pay the price for those sins. But God will provide. God did provide. And God is still providing today the sacrifice of His Son for all who would believe by faith. And come and give their lives to him. Verse 15, the story continued. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself. Who else is he going to swear by, right? 
He says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. That's what he had promised them all along. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, listen, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Through his offspring, Jesus was born. And blessed all people everywhere for all time. That's why in Hebrews 11, Abraham is, is referred to many times in this faith chapter. In verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises, talking about the descendants and all the blessings, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned, listen to this, that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. See, we know what Abraham was thinking even when he took the knife. He was reasoning that even if I do this, what could God still do? He could even raise the dead. You see, that had never happened before. He only had to trust in God, the promise in God that God could do that. But he believed God, that God could even raise the dead. And on that same mountain, when Jesus died on that cross, he asked us all to have the faith that even then, God would provide. And even then, God could even raise the dead. And on the third day, the tomb was empty and Jesus was alive. The question is, do you have faith? Are you willing to have the kind of faith that allows you to walk by faith? You see, faith like this is not just believing the information. It's trusting God enough to be obedient to what God is calling for you to do. That's what this faith is. That's what the Bible calls saving faith. If it won't produce obedience, it's not saving faith. It's just believing information. That's why here at Lakeshore, we don't call you to just, if you want to decide to, to be a Christian, just, just pray this prayer and let Jesus into your heart. That's not saving faith. Saving faith is what Peter told them to do in Acts chapter 2. When they were convicted of their sin, they asked what they needed to do, and Peter said, here's what you need to do, repent. You see, saving faith will produce repentance, a turning away from sin and sinful life activities. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, saving faith produces obedience, and God has called us to turn from our sin, to submit to baptism as an act of faith, not as a work to earn salvation, as an act of faith to receive the promise of God. The life, the crown of life that he wants us to have. In Ephesians 2, verse 4. I love this passage. It says this. Listen to it. But because of his great love for us, talking about God, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. 
It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Then he adds this. For it is by grace you've been saved through what? Faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. God loves you so much. He loves me so much. That he did not give us what we deserved. That's grace. You see, we deserve to pay for our own sins. But God is gracious to us. Instead of us having to pay that price, he made a substitute sacrifice. In his love for us, he took his only son, whom he loved, and nailed him to a cross. He put him on the altar of sacrifice for us. But then he raised him from the dead to show us that through faith in what God can do, we could have eternal life through that sacrifice. It may be that you're here today and you know. You know that you, you believe the information. You, you believe in Jesus, but maybe you've never trusted in him enough to surrender your life over to him, to give it to him your whole life as a sacrificial gift, as an act of worship. Here's how you begin that process if you haven't done it. Today, you can come repenting of your sin. And you could submit to obedience to what God has called you to do by being baptized into Jesus Christ, buried with Christ, and then you'll be raised with Christ to that new life that God promises through that sacrifice for you. It may be that we've got some here that maybe at some time in your past you, you did that, but, but you've wandered from that walk of faith. And here's the amazing thing about that sacrifice. It's not like the animal sacrifices. They had to be done over and over again because they didn't really take away sin. This sacrifice takes away all sin, which means that if you come in repentance today, the blood of Jesus still takes care of your wandering and your sin. You can come today confessing and asking for forgiveness, and God is faithful to forgive us, even today. You can come back home to Him. Maybe you don't have a church home you're connected to. We want to invite you to make this a church family that you're connected to and a part of because that's part of what God provides for His children is a family to grow up in that together we can walk by faith and encourage each other. Whatever the need is, let's pray together right now. Father, Father, we thank You that we have the example of the life of Abraham. What an awesome example of faith. He wasn't perfect and he failed on several occasions to, to do things the way you wanted him to do it. But your grace was more than enough for him. And you kept your promise to him even when he did not walk consistently as he should have. But Father, over the, over the course of the time of his life, he kept coming back to you and faithfulness to you. And you were able to use his faithfulness to prepare the way for the coming of your son Jesus through the descendants of Isaac. And Father, we thank you for his faithfulness. Father, may we, may we come to you today trusting you the way Abraham trusted you then. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.